Proverbs chapter 3, please, if you go in your Bible to that. Proverbs chapter 3. I've entitled this message, When Ice Forms on Your Wings. When Ice Forms on Your Wings. Father, I thank you with all of my heart for your word. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, you're the only one who can make these words come off the page And as you promised, they would be engraved in our hearts. And so that's our prayer today, Lord. Lift the words off the page today and engrave them in our hearts. Make them part of our character, part of our thinking, part of our confidence in you, Lord. May we never, Lord, lose sight of your words to us. Give me the anointing to speak this and give us the anointing to hear it. Lord, protect us. Give us grace for the days in which we now live. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. When ice forms on your wings. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. All your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In most of your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, your Bible is different, is it? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. On your own understanding. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he shall direct. Your paths. I want to read to you from a report. In the ABC News. On February the 2nd. In the year 2010. The National Transportation Safety Board. Met today to discuss the findings. From a report. On the crash of an airplane which killed all 49 on board and one person on the ground after having left the airport in Newark and it was approaching the airport near Buffalo, New York. As it was coming into land, the plane lost speed due to ice on the wings. Now, when ice, many people don't understand how an airplane flies. We, we think that a, a plane flies because uh, wind gets underneath its wings and lifts it. That's actually not what lift is in an aircraft. It's the motion of air flowing over the top of the surface of the wing that actually lifts the wings. It's it's lifted from the top up. That's what lift is in an aircraft. And when ice gets on the wings of an aircraft, it not only makes it heavy, but it interrupts the flow of air over the top of the wing and makes it heavy and it loses what we call lift which means a plane can literally plunge straight down out of the sky. It won't come in on a nice little glide. It just stops flying and falls like a stone to the earth. That's what the loss of lift is all about. When the cockpit warnings indicated that the plane was about to stall, remember the stall is just literally stopping in the air and falling. Instead of pushing what is called the stick shaker forward to increase the speed by dropping the nose of the aircraft. That's what pilots are trained to do. If a plane's about to stall, they push the stick forward and the nose of the plane will drop and the plane will start to now increase in speed, which brings it back to a position of lift 
then, then the pilot can lift the nose and literally uh, take off again. But instead of pushing what is called the stick shaker forward to increase the speed, the captain pulled it backwards, not just once, but several times. The airline involved issued a statement, and here was what they said. By all accounts, the captain and the first officer were fine people. They knew what to do in the situation they faced that night a year ago, and they had repeatedly demonstrated that they knew what to do, and yet they did not do it. We cannot speculate on why they did not use their training with the situation that they faced. In other words, this pilot and this co-pilot, as part of the training, had been obviously in classrooms, and they'd also been most likely in a simulator, where there would be a simulation of the condition that they were about to face, and they would be trained and taught how to react to that situation so that they could keep the aircraft obviously airborne. Yet when they got into that situation, and it was no longer a simulation, Instead of trusting in the training that they had received, they, be, they leaned, at least the captain did. We don't know about the uh, first officer, but at least the captain leaned on his own instincts and not on the training that he had been given. How much different are we in the house of God? You're in a simulator this morning, and we're looking in the Bible, and we're reading about stories of others and how they've reacted either positively or negatively to situations, and we're being trained and taught the right way to speak, the right way to think, the right way to act, so that when we get into a crisis situation, we don't have to stall, and we don't have to come crashing down, not only destroying ourselves sometimes, but taking others along with us who may have been trusting in our influence, our leadership, or our authority. It's so important, as I prayed this morning, that the words of God not just be on the page, but we have to lift them off the page and they have to become part of our character so that we will instinctively respond through what we have learned and what we have been taught and what we have embraced. It, it can't be just head knowledge in the house of God from the Bible because if it's only head knowledge, it will, in a sense, as Paul the Apostle warned of the last days, it will be just an accumulation of knowledge without power. Just knowledge but has no ability to carry us in these moments when we really need God to be the one that keeps us afloat as it is. When you go to the <clears throat> book of Isaiah, let me read it to you, chapter 40, verse 29. The scripture says, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. In other words, there's a season in every one of our lives. If you haven't faced it yet, you will. There's a season that comes into every heart, every life that says, God, I can't go on. I'm about to lose lift. I feel like I'm going to crash and burn, spiritually speaking. I don't know how to get through the struggle I'm in, the storm, the trial. I, I used to be able to rise above it, but I find myself now in a situation where I don't know what to do and I just don't know how to get through. But those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now the word wait means intertwined as by twisting. That's really what it means. It's not just 
waiting on the Lord, just sitting there and waiting for God to do something. It, that's not the context. The context is I am interwoven with Christ and he is interwoven with me. I have asked for his heart to become mine. He promised me new thoughts. I've asked for those thoughts to be embedded inside the character of my life. I have asked him to be my strength, my guide, the one who governs my life, to sits on the throne of my heart. I have loved his word. And the scripture says the entrance of your words gives light. He is the light for my feet and the lamp for my path. And so I've made a choice which every one of us need to make. Lord Jesus Christ, intertwine this word around my heart and let your life become mine. Let your thoughts become mine. Help me, God, to trust you and not to lean on my own understanding. Help me in all my ways to acknowledge you. In other words, as I go through my day to, to acknowledge what you have said and not to give in to my lower instincts. To do something that maybe my unregenerate heart wants to do. But God, you're within me saying, that's not the way to safety. That's not the way to the life that I have for you. All of us face seasons when coldness threatens our calling. And the weight of the moment causes us to fear that we're about to stall and crash. Coldness gets into the heart. Coldness gets into the heart because of repetition sometimes of, of just doing the same thing every day, all day. That's why marriages get into trouble because there's, there's no effort on the part of the husband or the wife to rekindle that, that flame of love that was the, the bedrock of, of that marriage. And quite often, that's what will happen to that relationship. And coldness can get into our, our walk with God where we're just so used to doing things repetitively that we're just doing it almost on autopilot. We're not even thinking about it anymore. And then the weight of repetition, the weight of personal trial, the weight of family problems, the weight of the struggles in our own mind even starts to weigh upon us. And before you know it, we feel like we're in a stall, a spiritual stall. We feel like we're losing lift. We feel like we're about to go down and we don't know what to do. Now, God has told us what to do. And it's in these moments that it's imperative that we go back to our training. It's, it's in these moments, it's imperative that we recognize again what God has spoken. And in spite of our own instincts, if we where our instinct is to pull back when God says push forward. That's what the pilot did. He, he drew back and the Lord was or the training he had was telling him to push forward. And sometimes when we get into trouble or we get cold in our walk with God or the weight of the hour comes upon us, our tendency is to pull back even from the house of God, pull back from the service to God, pull back from the word of God. When God's saying, no, not, that was not the time to pull back. Now is the time to push forward. Now is the time to believe. We're supposed to be renewed in strength. We're supposed to be enabled again to rise above these things which come against it. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it and some of us will experience it again. Trials and difficulties come into every heart. They come into every life, every situation. Knowing that we're supposed to be renewed in strength, the question comes now, what would cause a believer in Christ to suffer a, a crushing defeat? In their walk with God. Now in many cases. It's because they begin to take lightly. Both their calling. 
and the instructions that God gave to perform it. They begin to take it lightly. They don't take it seriously. They forget that there's an eternal reward for what we're called to do. Each one of us are called of God. You're not just an observer in the church. If you're born again by the spirit of God, you have a calling of God on your life. A calling that only you can fulfill. Nobody else can do it. Only you can do it. It's your calling. It's what God gave you to do. And he gave you giftings to do it. He gave you abilities. He gave you reasonings. He gave you instruction. It's all there. Everything is there to fulfill your calling. But sometimes people don't take their calling seriously. They don't recognize. They, they become focused on the now. On, on reward now. On satisfaction now. And they forget that now might be hard. As with the Apostle Paul, there might, be, there might be difficulties beyond measure. You might be pressed down, as Paul once said, to the point where you despair even of life. And those that are looking for the reward to be here now quite often are going to be disappointed. Yes, there are moments of joy. There are moments of victory. But there's also moments of incredible hardship. And if you don't take seriously your calling and don't take seriously the instructions of God to finish this race and to finish it well, you can end up losing lift, spiritually speaking, and not only causing harm to yourself, but causing harm to others. You think of Samson just for a moment, a mighty man of God in the Old Testament, given incredible strength to bring deliverance to many. That was the purpose. That was the calling on his life. He was separated from the womb. He was ordained by God just as you were. From the moment of his birth, he would have had training and instruction from his father, from his mother, from perhaps people who knew the ways of God and the ways of separation of that generation. He would have had this incredible training. He would have known the purpose and the calling on his life. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, to be diligent, to make your calling and election sure. Be careful. Be careful to fulfill your calling. Be careful to find it. Be careful to walk in it. Be careful to appreciate it. Be careful that you don't let it slide through your fingers. Be careful that you don't get to a point that you think that what God's given you to do is somehow insignificant in his kingdom. Instead of being diligent to make his calling and election sure, Samson began to live by his own reasonings moving in his own mind and actions farther and farther away from God's intended purpose for his life. In other words, what was happening to Samson as he was on this journey that God had called him on, his ice was forming on his wings. And he had no idea where it was going to lead him. He didn't appreciate what he was given to do. And he wanted gratification now. So he began to look away from God's purpose on his life and he began to look to the things around him that would give him pleasure. Now it could have been many things. In his case he seemed to have a, a weakness for women in his life. In Judges chapter 16 verse 17 he, he kept falling in love with people that were outside the kingdom of God and the family of God. Now it's a type of those who are constantly seduced by the things of this world. Enamored with what everybody else has or seemingly has and looking around to say what makes them happy. Maybe I should go in that direction. 
And so he took up a relationship with a woman called Delilah who was being used of his enemies to try to find out the source of his strength. In Judges chapter 16, verse 17, it says, He told her all his heart, and he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head. I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. In other words, Samson told her, My strength comes from my separation to the purpose of God for my life. That's where my strength comes from. And he has given me instruction to fulfill that calling. Now, one of those instructions, of course, was that he was not to be shaven. But in his compromise, he gave away the secret of his strength to his enemies. And Delilah saw that she had, he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he's told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came near to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. He fell asleep on the knees of his own desires. You know, a lot of people get involved in the work of God. And then they suddenly start looking around and look at all these things that I'm missing in life. Has my life really amounted to anything? Am I really doing something that's worthwhile to the kingdom of God? And he just fell asleep on the knees of his own passion, his own desire. And she called for a man to, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Now, seven really speaks of the perfection of God, the victory of God. Of course, in Christ, we know that's our victory. And suddenly, one at a time, the sources of his strength began to be taken away from him. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. You see, when you're getting cold to the work of God, torment is the first sign that you're on the wrong path. Torment in your mind. Anger in your mind, questions in your mind, a loss of satisfaction in your mind is the first sign that you're falling asleep on the knees of your own desire. So sad. You remember the pilot of this aircraft fell, the plane actually landed on top of a house. That's why there was one person killed on the ground. In Samson's case, the house landed on him. At the end of his life. He had no idea. What was going to happen to him. That's why the Bible says. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. When you don't understand. When it looks like the worst course of action. When, when it doesn't make sense. To your natural mind. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not some of your ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Let me just read to you some passages of scripture. Paul, the apostles in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 7. He says, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's idolatry. It's coming to the house of God, for example, and sitting down and were eating of the word of God, we're drinking in of the presence of God, yet it doesn't reform our character. We leave this place and go back out to play in the things of this world. Neither let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and, and in one day 23,000 fell. Lord, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. In other words, 
let us not question the integrity of God. His promises to us are true. They are yea and they are amen. Let us not, let us not challenge his integrity, nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. It will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of, of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And the idolatry at this time that I believe that Paul is in measure at least speaking about is the idolatry of the human heart taking the place of God. Flee from becoming God in your own life. Flee from putting your own thoughts above the thoughts of God. Flee from pulling back on the throttle lever when you should be pushing it forward. Flee from human instinct that always wants to rise up and take the place of the word of God. And, and because that's the essential nature of sin. When Satan came into the Garden of Eden, he sowed that in the human race. You can be as God is or as judges are, and you can determine what is good and you can determine what is evil without consequence. That was the temptation. That was the theological fruit that Adam and Eve bit into. And it was subsequently sown in the human race. That's why the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out how to get out of this situation in your own strength. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 and onward. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Speak truth. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. That's a particularly pertinent verse, considering this is tax time. <laughs> let him who stole steal no longer. Stealing from the government is still theft, my brother, my sister. No, you can't have it two ways, I'm sorry. And don't lean on your own understanding. Well, I, God knows I need the money more than the government does. They're only going to waste it anyway. That is leaning on your own understanding. The Bible says, let him who stole, steal no more. Let him labor, working with his hands, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So this verse seems to indicate to me that if we're willing to do it God's way, God will make a way for us to make the income we need to make, and there will be an oversupply to give to others. That's what he says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may minister grace to the hearers. Our, is our speech clean? Are, are we ministering grace to the people that are listening to us? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It's getting quiet in here. 
It's going to get even quieter in just a moment. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, respect your husbands. Ephesians 5, 21, for wives and husbands, submitting one to another in the fear of God. So here's my point. If your marriage is going down, don't pull away from the pages of God's word. Don't draw that throttle back. Push forward and get your heart and get your mind back in the word of God. Push forward, my brother. Push forward, my sister. And he says, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's not time if you're in trouble. It's not time if you're heavy. It's not time if you find you're getting cold to the work of God. It's not time if you don't know how you're going to get through tomorrow to draw that stick back and pull back from the word of God. It's time to push it forward. This is the instruction and get your face back in the word of God again. Instead of lifting up your head and looking for an alternate solution and looking for something from your own heart and from your own mind and a source that comes from your own strength. Instead of drawing back from the word of God, push forward into the word of God and acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he promises to direct your paths. And we know the pathway of God. He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to a desired end, to bring you to that place where you need to be, to bring you to that freedom that you long for, to bring you to that place of strength that you need, to bring you to a renewed vision of what your whole life is all about in the first place, to bring your marriage back to where it began and even beyond, even higher than it's ever been before. That's who God is. That's what God does. That's the promise of God. That's our inheritance in Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart, when it doesn't make sense. With all your heart, when everything in you wants to draw back and God's saying, no, now's not the time to draw back. Now's the time to push forward. Now's the time to trust your training. Now's the time to find out if you really have learned anything at all in the kingdom of God. You don't learn whether you don't find out whether or not you passed the test when you're in a simulator. It's when you're in the crisis of life. It's when you have to trust God for your finances. It's when you have to believe for your family and for your children and for your grandchildren and for your marriage. It's when you don't have the strength to go forward. But God says, Look to me. I have all the strength you need to be everything that I've called you to be. It's when in honesty we can turn to God and say, Lord, I've lost the passion for your word. I've lost the passion for your work. I've lost the passion for your presence in my life. I've lost the passion for your flowing through my life. Everything now is heavy. Everything now is looking like I'm going to go down. And God says, you may have lost the passion, but I haven't lost the passion for you. And I live inside of you. My spirit is inside of you. You push that stick forward and you will find yourself gaining lift again. 
you get back in the word of God. You say, Lord God, would you help me not to lean on my own understanding? Would you help me not to try to figure out a way out of my dilemma in my own strength? But God, I acknowledge that your presence is in my life. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that moved on over the face of the waters when life was commanded. The same Holy Spirit lives inside of my life. And God, I choose to acknowledge your presence in my life. You have the right to my life. You purchased me with your blood. You said, you told me, you told us that a nursing mother could forget her child. But you said, I can never forget you. I engraved you on the palms of my hands. You said that you would never leave me or forsake me. You said that whatever I asked for, believing that I would receive it. So God, I'm not turning away from you. I'm turning to you now with all of my heart. And I'm asking you to lead me through this time in my life. This time when everything is heavy. This time when I look to be losing lift. This time, oh God, oh God, oh God, let me do things the way that you have taught me to do them. Let all my learning now not be in vain. I want to close with just reading to you some words from King David. When he said in Psalm 44, <coughs> the psalmist said these words, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, the days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand. But them you planted, you afflicted the peoples and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, and neither did their own arms save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those that rise up against us. I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and put to shame those who hated us. In God, we boast all day long and praise your name forever. You see, the psalmist is saying these words. You've told us, Lord, what you've done in days gone by. You brought your people out of captivity and you brought them into the place of promise. Not by might, not by power, not by human intellect, not by human reasoning, not by human strength but by the spirit of almighty God. The psalmist is calling out and saying, God, so knowing the history, I'm not going to trust in my bow or my sword. I'm not going to trust in my own strength or my own reasoning. You are the one who has saved us from our enemies. And you are the one who always puts to shame those who hate us. You will be my boast all the days of my life. When I get to the finish line, I'm going to have a testimony. Only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. And you and I'll be able to look back if the Lord should tarry to a generation coming after us. And like the apostle Paul, we're going to be able to say, follow me as I followed Christ. I was crushed. I was distressed. I was pressed down. I had the sentence of death in myself at one time. I didn't think I could go forward. I suffered betrayal. I suffered imprisonment. I suffered scorn and ridicule. I suffered almost every conceivable suffering that could come 
into the heart. But I had the sentence of death in myself and I did not trust in human strength, but I trusted in the one who raises men from the dead. That's what Paul said. I trusted in the one who has the power to lift us out of all heaviness, out of all conflict, out of every trial, every difficulty. I trusted in him. And we're going to finish saying, he didn't fail me. He didn't fail me one time. And he won't fail you. I'm telling you, young people, I thank God our balcony seems to be filled with young people today. He won't fail you. He won't fail you. He won't fail you. David the king said, I've been young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. By the grace of almighty God, he has kept us and will continue to keep us. You know, before a plane takes off in cold weather, a truck shows up. And I'm always glad when I see that truck. And they have, it has a solution called a de-icing solution. And it sprays it on the wings of the plane. Thank God, because I don't want to ever be in a plane that loses lift. It's not, a, it's not a good thought. I guess some of you need to be de-iced. Before you take off from here today, you need to be de-iced. And it's a spray called trust. God, I will trust you. I will trust you. As we, we have a song, we sing, I'll trust you in the darkness. I will trust you with life's problems. I will trust you. I will trust you, Lord. And so if you're going through a crisis in your life, in your mind, in your ministry, in your marriage, whatever it is that you're going through, would you let God just touch you afresh today? Would you let him? May I just say it this way? Just spray your wings with his love his promises, his power to let you know, I'm not going to forsake you. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fail. I'm going to be with you. So I just want to open this altar in just a moment. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come and then we're just going to pray together. And miracles happen when we pray. We're going to pray that God lift the heaviness. Some people here, you've been heavy for a long time. I'm going to pray for renewed vision. Going to pray for a renewed understanding of what your life is all about, a renewed passion for what God's given you to do. We're going to just pray and believe God, believe God that you will rise again and not go down. Now, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your heart for the people here today. Thank you, Lord, for what you have called us to be and what you've called us to do. God Almighty, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would set every person here free who's in danger of losing the lift that you provided for their lives. And I thank you for it, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, I just thank you with all my heart, God, for... My brothers and my sisters at this altar today, Lord. God, truly, truly you are the one who's our glory and the lifter of our head. Lord, we learned over time to thank you for our trials because it's in these times we find out that you really are God.
I thank you, Lord, for just driving away despair at this altar this morning and discouragement and wrong thinking and delivering us from trying to solve our problems in human effort. Lord, we turn to you, God. Turn to what you've spoken to us and we believe it with all of our heart that you'll give us life and you'll give it to us more abundantly. That's what you promised us. You told us that we would find fulfillment in the calling that you've placed on each of our lives. So we're not willing to settle for less and we're not going to substitute it with a calling of our own making. It's what you've called us to be, Lord, and called us to do. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Lord, you are setting us free from ourselves. Thank you, God, for the strength, the strength, Lord, that's here at this altar today. In every heart, in every home. God, we bless you, Lord. Thank you for the knowledge that there are no write-offs in the kingdom of God. Not one. Not even one. Lord, morning by morning, new mercies we see. This is a kingdom of mercy and forgiveness, God. So thank you, and thank you for new strength. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.